third through fifth will go upstairs, and if you're second or under, you'll be downstairs uh, on the main floor this morning. So, or you can stay in here with your parents either way. So, take get going right there if you want. You know, it's so cool. I was standing in the back and just 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 amazed to uh, to see you know this whole volunteer team leading us. You know, it just. It's the coolest thing. It's just great. Yeah. Love that. I just, man. So where I come from, I've realized since moving here a couple years ago that I had certain presuppositions about what Christmas lights ought to look like. And I, I mentioned this last year at some point, but in Texas and maybe in the South, (laughs) no it's not quite that although that might but you know we would drive around every year and look at the lights and you know a lot of y'all have done that but there are certain things about the lights that you know they they're all attached none are hanging off anywhere there's just certain you know there's a certain etiquette about how lights are done and so last year i pointed out one little distinctive i noticed about crested butte christmas lights in in it in what i i call it's a silly string style which i'm sure you've seen and it just looks like somebody had a can of lights and went, Psh! you know, not a long string either, just, Psh! and they're done. You've seen that around town. But I have a couple new ones this year. One I saw, this is up on the mountain, and if you drive up past it, you'll see it. And if, if you own this house, I think it's awesome. I think, I'm call- <laughs> um, so I'm not sure whose house it is. But this one I would either call, it's like, it's one of two things. It's like the, the orbiting satellite style or maybe the Little Debbie style, because it, what it does is, is it goes around the tree like this, like three times. And that's it. You're done. So you just heave it. Bring it under and heave it, and you got it done. It's just three little loops. More than three is too much, though. You drive up there, you'll probably see it. Let's see. Uh, oh, here's, here's another one. I've just got one strand, and I'm going to use it. That's another style. Totally acceptable in Crested Butte. You just put it on. You're done. You'll see that around town. But here, the one, the one thing that I really notice it, uh, this is the distinctive, uh, is I don't have an extension cord, so I'm just going to use lights to plug it in. <laughs> have you all seen that one around town? CBMR is totally guilty of this. There's like these lines between the trees. You know, connect, you cannot do that in Texas. If you live in Texas, do not do this. But uh, you, know what I'm ta- you know what I'm talking about? You don't do that. You, you figure out a way to make that line. And if your line of lights is like you're only halfway up your roof, well, then you've got to get more lights until you get it to where it just ends in the right place. And then you connect your, your cord and you plug it in. But what's really nice is that here, there isn't all that, you know, perfection. You don't have to have all that perfection. And it's really a relief. Just, you know, you know I can put my lights up and it's nice, and it doesn't have to be perfect. And really, you know, it's not unlike, this is a pretty big leap, a big segue here, but (laughs) it's not unlike what the church and Christians have done to following Christ. You know, when you look at it, it's like, well, it's got to look like this, and it means it's going to be this, and and there's certain things that I don't do, and certain things I have to do. And, you know, you can make your big list of whatever that looks like. But, but in fact, that's, 
that's not it at all. It's not about these things that we do. And uh, well, let me stop there for just a second to tell you. We're, we're in a, a really short series here, these weeks around Christmas, that we're just looking at the responses of different people that heard that there was a Savior coming. So we're, we're seeing how they responded to this news. And we looked at Mary, we saw how Mary responded, and she wrote this, or she spoke this, uh, what we could call her carol, this poem, and it was beautiful. And we, we looked at that for a few minutes. On Christmas Eve, we looked at the response of the, the shepherds when, when the, uh, the angels come and say, there's a Savior born to you. And we, see, we saw what, what they did briefly. And I was intending to go on from that to another thing that happens a little bit later. But in fact, we're going to stay. I just, there was so much in that one place that we need to stay there for a minute. In fact, on Wednesday, when, whenever I was writing that message for, uh, for Christmas Eve, I wrote way, way too many words. And I was like, oh, this is going to, people are going to be like mad because it's going to be way too long. They're going to be hungry and want to go. So I just sliced all this stuff off. And I want to bring some of that to you. And here's the... Uh, Here's the, the main thing that I, that I want to say, and I, I hope that you'll get, and I think, it's, uh, I think it's really, really important. It really means a lot to me, and it's, it's this. It's, that it's, it's simply the ordinariness, the ordinariness of the response of the shepherds. It's just absolutely plain. It's what anybody would do. And the reason I bring that up is that there's no pretext with the shepherds. They're not trying to be fancy. They're just doing what they did when they heard that there was a Savior. And I want to walk through a couple of points with that. And what I'm hoping is that we'll all see that these are like, these are not unlike the first followers of Jesus. You know, these are guys that heard that there's a Savior, a Messiah, and they go to check out the Messiah. And they well, well, we'll unfold what happens there, but this, these are like the first followers, and if we could look at them and say, okay, what does that look like? Then I think we can learn a lot, and what I really love about it is that it, their reactions are absolutely normal. They're, they're just absolutely ordinary, and I think you'll see that as we walk through, and I hope you'll be encouraged to see this, this thing for me personally that's really refreshing, because here's the deal about what uh, church and religion and Christianity often looks like it, it looks like a burden. And what and what what it is when we are introduced to Jesus is it should be a relief. Jesus is the reliever of burdens, not the one who puts burdens onto us. So we should be relieved when we come in contact with the, the Savior. And so I think that's what's happening with these people. And and you'll I think you'll see that as we go on. Uh, so I'm going to make four points about it. One, and these are the things that they do. One is the first thing, there is fear. Second thing is that they're curious. The third thing is that they have conversations. And the fourth thing is they go back to their occupation. Okay? So these are the four things we're going to run through real quick. Fear, uh, uh, curiosity, conversation, and occupation. So look at it with me. It's in Luke 2. It's such a beautiful passage. I want to read it with you all. By the way, after, uh, after I finish, we're going to have communion together. I uh, want to invite all of you to, to join us for that. Um, I hope that you feel like, especially if you're a guest with us, you're only here two weeks or a month, a year, whatever it is, I really hope that you feel like you're home when you come here. And so when we gather for that moment of communion, 
when we come uh, relieved of our burdens together and remember what Jesus did for us, um, I, I hope that it's a very meaningful thing for you in the community that you are in right here. Uh, so let me, let me read this to you. Uh, and in the same region, this is Luke 2, 8, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men, peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that, he, that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as had been told them. So the very first, very normal response that these guys have is that they, have, they are afraid. The glory, of, this is in ver, the second part of verse 9, the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. Now, a couple weeks ago, maybe a month ago, we were talking about a, a passage where it talks about the fear of the Lord. And all of us have read that in the scripture. It says it's a good thing to have a fear of the Lord. But what we said was that that just doesn't simply mean a terror of somebody who can hurt you. What it means is to have a significant respect for the position that God is in compared to us. That's the fear of the Lord. However, in this case, we just need to be straight. This is just fear. They are frightened because... It says right above that, it says the glory of God was around them. And when the real glory of God, the God of the universe, is around you, it's terrifying. And we don't have that experience all the time. We're sheltered from that. You know, I, uh, this, this is something that probably many of you can relate to if you were ever a freshman in high school or ever planned to be. Um, I remember I went to a really big high school, and so we had a big football team, you know, and with really big people on that team, okay? And I remember, as, you know, when you're a freshman and you get to high school and you get your first locker and you're just a little guy, or a little, I don't know what it's like for girls, but that's what it feels like. And you're going, guy, you know, I have my little lost in space lunchbox and stuff. And so I, I remember a couple of situations, like in particular, coming around, you know, you're, you're in your own little world, coming around the corner of one of the big hallways, and suddenly you've just stepped into this other world because here's the, the varsity football, senior football players, and you just walked right into their group. And you're, you know, even I, you know, I was pretty tall, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel this big. These guys with their huge necks are going, you know, they're like, how can I get out of it? Because I just moved into a world where I am no longer in control, right? You know that feeling, and I'm like, oh God, you know, don't kill me, don't kill, you know. You know that, that feeling, you know, maybe you've experienced that before. I don't, that's a, a small way of saying what these angels must have felt. I mean, angels. 
shepherds. Thank you. <laughs> Maybe the angels feel that too. <laughs> what these shepherds must have felt when the glory of God was around them. And they're like, I thought I was in control. I thought I was doing my thing. And suddenly, I'm in, I'm in contact with the presence of God. And, and I realize that I am no longer in control. And this is something that, uh, I listened to a message by Tim Keller about this. And one of the things I really liked is, it, is he says that we somehow have believed the lie that we are in control and we can make our choices. It's not, that, it's not that God doesn't let us make choices, but that we really believe that what we make up is our truth and what we make up is what makes us happy is really at the heart of everything. We believe that lie what, instead of being made up in who God is. And so when the presence of God shows on it, what that does is it reveals our complete inadequacy to run our show. It, we are, let me read, he, he says it a really good way. When we find ourselves in the presence of God, we realize that we are grossly unqualified for the role of running our lives. You know, I, I think another way that this kind of awareness shows up is in those times where we are in a place with God where we, or in a life where we say, you know, I just can't do this anymore. I can't do this. And you realize, I, I can't, I've, I've gone beyond trying to run the show. And I think either we've come into the presence of God in, in pride, thinking that we're running it, or we've come into the presence of God realizing, I cannot do this, or somewhere in between. But it's really cool how that angel says to the shepherd, he says, do not fear. You don't have to be afraid. It's like if one of those football players had said to me, hey man, don't be afraid. I would have felt totally better. That's what the, the angel recognizes the fear. He recognizes the fact that there is going to be this kind of feeling in the presence of the glory of God. And so he says, don't fear. I've got great news for you. There's a savior that's born for you. And it is instantly a relief. You can almost feel what that relief must have been like. And that's what the gospel is. That's what the, the message of the savior is, is a message of relief instead of fear. But their natural response was to have fear. And so in that, I want to just keep hitting this. These are completely ordinary people. Completely ordinary. God has chosen the most ordinary folks to reveal himself, to, to invite to the birth of the baby. And I think that's a really amazing thing about our God. So here's another thing. The next thing is that I think they were curious. And I'm, this is really what I talked about on, on Christmas Eve. It says in, in verse 15, the second part of that, it says, let's go to Bethlehem. And see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has made known. So they had a, you know, obviously they're kind of curious about what's going on because the angels of God have just sung this to them. But one thing I noticed that's really interesting in there is that God doesn't make them go. He doesn't say, through the angel, he doesn't say, now you have to go see the baby, right? He just says something like, uh, through the angel, he says, Unto you is born a child, you'll find him in the manger. He doesn't say that you have to go and see the baby. And I think that's an aspect of God as he relates to us that we should treasure, treasure deeply. Because, because God, he does this elaborate thing to 
tell these people about the baby, to tell them about the Messiah. But instead of saying, I'm going to make you believe, I'm going to make you go check him out, I'm going to prove this to you, he just tells them about it, and he leaves it up to them to make the decision to go see. He doesn't make them do it. He doesn't make any of us do it. It doesn't matter where, if you're a believer, he didn't make you become a believer. And he, if you're thinking about being a believer, if you're thinking about following Christ, if you're ordinary enough to do that, he doesn't make you do it. He just brings you up to the line, he tells you why, and he lets you step across it on your own. And that's a tremendous thing that we see, and it's right here at the very beginning with the first followers of Jesus. So they were afraid. Uh, you know, one was one thing. Another thing is that they're curious. They go, they go check out the Messiah on their own. But here's something I think is, is cool about the ordinary thing that they do is this conversation and the conversations that they have when they get there. Look at uh, verse 17. And when they saw it, I guess everything related to this baby, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. In verse 18 says, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. So there's the conversations that are happening between the shepherds and these individuals that are around, nearby, whatever's happening. There's, there's some kind of crowd at least because apparently a lot of people are coming to see this baby in the shed, right? So this is unusual. And in this process, they talk about who they believe Jesus is. It's just natural to them to talk about it. And it's it's very natural to do that, but if you're a believer in here, I'll just talk to believers for a second. Sometimes that's one of the things that we don't seem to do very naturally, is talk about Jesus with other people. Now, of course, the angels had just seen this incredible thing, right? But the angel, darn it. <sighs> Thanks, Char. Y'all know, don't be afraid to correct me up here, okay? It's just going to happen. The shepherds, which are the people, have just heard this amazing thing, and they are the ones who are going to actually deliver the message about who Jesus is to the next round, the next set of people. So here's, here's one of the things that I learned that's been really important to me, believers, if you're here. Uh, listen to this uh, Something we should remember is that we should start spiritual conversations early in relationships. It's just something that we should know. You should, and I should start spiritual conversations early. I'm guilty of not doing this. And here, and sometimes, you know, I could say that, and you could say, oh, yeah, that's true, good, I should do that. And then the, the next thing that, that goes to your mind is in the situation, well, how am I going to do that? You know, you're actually at the coffee shop or, you know, on a bike ride or skiing or whatever, and you, you don't know where to start. I'll give you an idea. Most people are not opposed to talking about themselves. Right? People love to talk about themselves. And it's for the most part, right? So if I have a relationship with someone, there's few things there are a few things that I can do that are better, even if we're not talking about Jesus, that there are a few things that are better that I can do than just say, Hey, tell me about yourself. Tell me what you love to do. If we have some common interest, you know, skiing or biking or whatever, let's talk about that or raising kids or whatever it is, you know, whatever our thing is. We ask about that. And here's something that, that I learned around this. People know about what you care about by what you ask about. Just apply that in your life for a second. As you go through the week, 
People know what you care about by what you ask about. And think about it in relation to people talking to you, asking you questions. So we begin to ask someone, you know, and so what do you, you know, tell me about how you grew up. Um, do, you have, do you celebrate Christmas? Oh, okay, cool. You, you, you know, you don't believe in God, but you celebrate Christmas. That's fine. You don't, any of that stuff. Do you all have some Christmas traditions? Oh, yeah, we got Christmas. So they tell you Christmas, and you say, oh, yeah, I've got a Christmas tradition. They begin to ask you. You say, well, yeah, I went to OB Joyful for Christmas Eve, blah, blah, blah. Pretty soon, they know where you stand, and you've started a spiritual conversation. Because let, let me explain this to you. This is a little rule that I try to remember. It's just plain weird, if you're a believer, for your friends not to know that you are. That's just weird. Because when they find out later, and they're saying, you say you have a Savior that can... Re- connect you to the God of the universe and you didn't say anything about it? That's weird. And Christians sometimes are weird enough already. Let's not add to that. Okay, one more thing about this this conversation they have is it says that the people marveled. This word marveled is in there. I think it's cool because in Luke, he often will say, these people marveled, this judge marveled, this Pharisee marveled at what happened. There's all this marveling going on. But in several of those cases, at least half of those, it doesn't say that they believed. It just says that they marveled. And and that's the thing, you know, it's not up to us to convince people to believe something or to force some idea on that. It's not at all. But I think we can just look at these guys and realize what, what is something that we should and could do as ordinary people is, ordinary believers, is to simply have a conversation and let God do the rest. You know, not hope that they're going to figure out that we're a Christian by the fact that we didn't lie about something. It doesn't do much. Okay, so we've, we've seen a couple of things here. There's fear and curiosity in these conversations. But last, uh, occupation. Look at, at verse uh, 20. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And so here, to me, this may be one of the most interesting parts of the whole thing. The shepherds returned to what? Shepherding. So they didn't stay on staff with Mary. You know, they didn't, they didn't get retained to wait until Jesus to start, started his ministry. They went back to their jobs as shepherds. They had families. They had property. They had to go on with their daily lives. But, but something did change, and that's this. It says that they were glorifying and praising God because of what they had seen. I think it's wise, if, if you are a believer, to look at Jesus frequently and look at what he's done for you and look at what God's done for you through him and be encouraged by that and bring praise and glory to him. Point to him. Uh, these, are, these shepherds are ordinary people. They're just plain old people. And I'm not trying to insult any of you by saying that you're plain or ordinary, but what it reminds me of is that 
there isn't some prerequisite in order to be a follower of Christ. And he is, he is emphasizing this to the extreme. In the ordinariness of those shepherds, God is going to extraordinary lengths to emphasize that you don't have to be something to be a follower of Jesus, right? Because we go all the way from the angels to these shepherds, right? And we've got Jesus, the Son of God, in a feeding trough, right? There could not be anything that is more ordinary. And that should free us up. That should free us up to say, you know, I can follow Jesus. I don't have to dot all the I's and be perfect and plug the lights in in the right way. I just can follow him and I can do it in my ordinary work. Whatever my work is, that's where God absolutely can and will uh, use you and fill you up. That, that is how he has wired us. We don't all have to be a certain thing. So I think, let me close with this. I think the, the uh, angels, I, I got angels on my mind. The shepherds saw something that, uh, and experienced something that C.S. Lewis writes about it one time. He says, uh, he says this, he says, God doesn't relate to people like a guy on the first floor relates to a guy on the second floor. In other words, those kind of guys, they can just go up and down and and meet each other and say hi. They just go, you know, if I want to see that guy, just go up and talk to him up there. But instead, God relates more with us like, like Shakespeare relates to Hamlet. In other words, God has written the story and he actually writes himself into the story. You know, there's this barrier that we cannot comprehend being in the confines that we are of the, uh, the realm of God, the glory of God, this thing that he really is. And he's written him, himself through his son into the story so that we can know him. And this is, this is what's happening. The, the Messiah, the Savior, has been written into the story and the shepherds are the ones to come and check it out. These completely ordinary, fearful, regular people get to go see that, see God written into the story. And what they do is they come away praising and glorifying God. I hope that's what we can do as, as we take communion this morning, is, is just take a moment to recognize what he has done in writing himself into this story and as ordinary people praise and glorify him in that, in these moments that we have. So I'm going to pray. You guys can get that going. Father, thank you so much for, uh, Lord, for the amazing thing that it is that those angels uh, communicated to these normal people. And Lord, at least I, for one, uh, finding myself pretty normal and thankful that you have uh, reached to me and haven't expected me or any of the people in this room or in this world to be something special before we can come before you, that you validate us, um, so much so that you wrote our stories, you reach into our story, and you brought us the Messiah to, so that we can actually know you, um, experience the joy of that relationship. So, uh, Lord, let us be humble before you, and as we together um, take communion, Lord, let it be something that is um, very honoring to you, and rather than fearful of you, re- reflects our uh, a fear of respect.
for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Sure, Laddie. Make sure everybody can hear you, though. And only Scott and I know about this. But this very ordinary guy who came here from Texas. Front and center. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, it's dark.